Can you hear it? The woods are calling. There's something mysterious about the woods, wouldn't you agree? I remember one of my favorite things to do as a child was wander through the woods close to our house, and my best friend and I would treasure hunt in the woods behind her home. As children, we are incurably curious, which makes those wandering parts of our childhoods almost magical. As adults, we struggle to hold on to that kind of magic, the kind that stirs the butterflies and swirls our minds with fantasy. Oftentimes, we seek out activities that simply don't fulfill that curious well, when what we really, really want is to feel that sense of wonder and amazement. We want to go back to a time when monsters lurked in the closet and fairies left gifts in the forest. We want to believe that the connection to the unknown, the supernatural, really does exist. That's what motivated me to begin this podcast and to write the books I do. I believe that magic, that undeniable force of curiosity, can be held onto as an adult. If we only seek, we will certainly find. We're celebrating at Fable Collective, because last week we released our first anthology, Women of the Woods. Today I'll be sharing my contribution to the book. A Fire and Ice is a story about a beastly woman whose anger makes her infamous. I'm sure you've heard that quote by Neil Gaiman. Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. Why run when I can fly? The cold wind pushes against my pale skin as I press farther into the dark night. Bare feet claw into cool dirt, grass between my toes, rage within my heart. I should have known he'd betray me too. Everyone is a disappointment. No one in my life has proven trustworthy. Bright green scales appear on my hands, inching their way up my body, framing my face. They shimmer in the moonlight. I will never grow accustomed to this part of myself, the part that turns into a beast at the first sight of anger. They made me this way. Their scheming, their disapproval, their murderous plots. I slow myself and try to steady my anger. As much as I'd like to incinerate him in his tracks, I know I need proof. Despite everything, I still have an ember of hope within me, deep down, often forgotten, in my gut. He places his large, calloused hands on the hilt at his waist and methodically combs his hair back with the other hand, taking a deep breath and knocking gently on the cottage door. Hidden behind a tree, I watch and wonder how the man I'd allowed into my heart, the one I'd grown to trust, could make 
such a vital mistake. Claws break through my skin at the thought. I bite on one of them as she opens the door. Beautiful blonde hair flows down in a braid over her shoulder, dressed for bed and smiling from ear to perfect ear. What are you doing here? She asks, palms cupping her delicate tiny waist. I couldn't stop thinking about you, not since the other night. The night he'd told me he'd been hunting with his brother, no doubt. I must admit, I've found it difficult to think of anything else, too. She bats her big blue eyes and tucks a strand of hair behind her ears. That's when I notice a glint of something shiny on her hand. A wedding band. So where's her husband? It's an awfully cold night. Perhaps I can assist you with the fire, he offers, inching closer to her and the open doorway. In the moonlight, her shift leaves little to the imagination. Her slim silhouette peers through like an invitation. That would be very kind of you, she says. After she closes the door, I draw closer to the small cottage and peer through a wavy window pane nearly hidden by an overgrown hawthorn bush. He works the wood until a fire brightens the entire space and a warm glow falls on their faces. I wonder if they've done this before. How many times had they met in secret in the dead of night? No words flowed between them, only promising glances and silent longing. She inches toward him until her body presses against his, no light or space between them. He hungrily rushes her, lips on lips, arms around each other, with wandering fingers searching for more. I turn away. Unable to breathe, I clasp at my throat. My anger has now turned into despair, and I feel the fight leave my body, along with the glimmering green scales. With the remnants of my beastly strength fading, it's just me, a simple quiet daughter of a parish pastor, trying to hold herself together after yet another heartbreaking relationship. I should have known that it wouldn't last. I have yet to maintain one relationship my entire life. Even my mother and father have disowned me. The word unlovable hovers over me like a black cloud, tampering any joy that could come into my life. I crumble at the base of a tall evergreen, holding myself together. I don't want to lose control. Even with this betrayal, he doesn't deserve what I'm capable of doing. After all, I can't imagine it's easy for anyone to love a beast. I'm painfully aware of how intolerable I am. A memory of my sister, Jophel, flashes through my mind, her hand suspended above me, knife dripping blood, my own, onto my cheek. One pierce wasn't enough to kill me, but by the judge of her hesitation, I think she hoped it would have been. I shake the thought away and force myself to focus on the matter at hand. What am I to do? Movement from inside startles me. They're in the doorway again. Door open wide, the two of them standing hand in hand. 
flushed faces and bright red lips. I used the tree for cover and listened. Will he be home soon? Miguel asks his lover softly with a hint of sadness in his voice. I expect him tomorrow, but I suppose the weather conditions will decide for sure. She shrugs her narrow shoulders. Besides, you are taken. There is no future for us. What if there could be? His voice is almost pleading now. I'm married, Miguel, and you're entangled with a beast. My body grows tense, and I cringe at the mention of me. I don't want her. I want you. Miguel's words sting as I slowly digest them. Then why are you with her? She's dangerous. Aren't you afraid of what she'll do if she finds out about us, or the other women that you've been with? She asks, her words falling flat, accusatory even. Don't bring them into this. You know no one has meant anything to me but you. And Aiden wouldn't dare hurt me. She loves me. Although I can't imagine why, it's not like I've been good to her, obviously. His voice lilts the way he always speaks when he's flirting. He tugs her close to him, their hips touching. Then why? Why even be involved with her if you're not interested in being with her? She asks. When the whole thing started, it was fun. I knew I could tame a dragon. So I set out to prove it to my brother. He bet me 100 bobbies that I couldn't master her, that I couldn't find a soft spot in the beast. It turns out, I'm fairly good at finding soft spots. He reaches a hand for her chest. She blushes and turns it away bashfully. That's despicable, Miguel. What an awful thing to do to a woman. A woman? Aiden isn't a woman. She's a fire-breathing fiend. A curse to our society. There's no place in this world, or any other, I'm convinced, for such a monstrosity. Scales creep up my back and down my arms. Fumes escape my breath and blow billows of gray into the black night around me. She looks away as if she's getting frustrated. And have you mastered her? She folds her arms across her chest. I may have not bedded her yet, but I have won her heart, and that I've found to be much more difficult. He presses a finger to the woman's nose, then draws a line down her mouth, forcing her pink lips to part and pout. For a moment, I think she'll kiss him, but she pulls away slightly. Well, you'll never win mine. She recomposes herself. Won't I? He pulls her chin close and presses his mouth to hers, hard. Go. Go now. No more of this, she tells him and pushes him away. We still have time. Your husband won't return tonight. His eyes remain longingly on her lips. She shoes him away. He takes three steps back and tugs at his heart as if he can't possibly walk away. I watch the way they exchange movements, their hips swaying from side to side, their eyes darting from each other's bodies to their hungry eyes. They are clearly lovers. Their attraction is screaming, and he's looking at her, bright brown eyes begging for more. He's never looked at me that way. And a prickling of sorrow surges my heart, clasping its fist around it, squeezing. I've always hoped someone would look at me that way. I want to know what it feels like to be desired, to be more than a beast, to feel more than the ever-present emptiness that suffocates my soul.
Miguel, she calls out, her arms still crossed as she pulls at a golden curl at the nape of her neck. End things with her. Promise me you will. It surprises me how sincere she is with her request. It's almost like she cares for me. Like maybe this suggestion isn't about Miguel at all, but protecting another woman's heart. But I'm a beast, and she doesn't know me. I suppose there's a strange bond between women that somewhat keeps us watching out for one another, though. We feel protective, slightly responsible for our gender, even while simultaneously stabbing each other in the back. Things are over. There was never anything to begin with. He points his finger at her like he's saying, There's no one but you. He said those exact words to me once before. He promised me everything. He is a liar. Scales are now easing down my legs and my feet are slowly stretching to wide, piercing claws. Fumes force their way up my throat until I can't help but release them in a quick huff. I try with everything in me to contain fury, but unfortunately it isn't possible. I can't not be angry at him. Blowing off steam seems to have blown my cover. Miguel's eyes search the forest, looking for the origin of the noise. My tail extends and shakes into razor-sharp thorns. The tree can no longer hide my large, fiendish frame. Their eyes meet mine. My vision changes from the full peripheral human sight to the narrow, focused slits of a dragon. I still fight the urge to let the beast consume me, but there's something about seeing him react that surges the rage within me. Fire begins to burn my throat and tongue until it finally escapes my lips. I watch as their faces go from surprise to confusion to terror. The woman is frozen, arms dangling helplessly at her slender waist. Miguel is running. Not that I blame him. He may have momentarily believed that I wouldn't hurt him, but it sure looks like he's second-guessing that thought now. Doesn't he know that I'm incapable of love? Even I am convinced of that now. I have no inclination to attack the woman, although her adulterous actions repulse me. There's no time to deal with her. My priority is making Miguel pay for his transgressions. My wings extend and flap behind me, sending a sharp wind with them. He runs and winds through the trees, trying to lose me. No such luck. It's always surprised me how agile this version of myself is. When I'm in human form, I'm so clumsy. It's as if the forest bends to the will of the dragon, though. I whip through the branches without much thought or effort. Like it's second nature, and in a way, I suppose it is. The cold wind repeatedly slaps me in the face, causing my nose and eyes to run water. My mind replays the last moments, his thoughtless words about how the world would be better off without me. I sniffle. I refuse to contain it any longer. I let out a deep, deafening roar that echoes through the forest and bounces back to us, as if the wood itself is threatening him. People miles away can hear my wrath and its warning. Miguel glances back at me. Our eyes meet again. I suspect he's never seen my expression so wild. I know, I've never seen that look on his face. 
His curly brown hair whips behind him, and his heart beats faster and faster. I can feel it within me. The sound pulses in my ear, exciting the beast within. He's scared, which makes me smile. He had some nerve messing with me. How could he ever have believed that he would be the exception to my murderous appetite for those who cross me? It's borderline insanity, but I suppose I should know that anybody who would dare be with me must be mad. After many minutes of running with me hot on his heels, his strength starts to waver. His human muscles will inevitably slow after this long. His body can only withstand the push for a limited time before it gives way to its fate. He almost topples over but catches himself. I land, digging my clawed feet into the cold, wet forest floor and size up my opponent, weak as he is. It was nothing, he says, heavy breathing from a rapidly expanding and contrasting chest. He slumps over, places his hand on his knees, holding himself up, desperate to breathe. I was only checking on her. Her husband is on a group hunt. You know lasses tend to get scared on dark nights like this. One when they're alone. Even if I hadn't seen the truth with my own eyes, I still wouldn't believe his story. There is no truth in his pleading voice. So why did you run? I ask. Despite my better judgment, my elongated snout and fiery scruff roughing my voice. Look at you. You're much more terrifying than the stories let on. Who wouldn't run after seeing this? He says, between breaths and motions at me, with the wave of a hand. I decide not to say anything more. Nothing he can say will change his fate now. It's inevitable. Another deep roar escapes my lips, and the booming echo resounds in our ears, quivering the branches and ground around us. The beast is in control. I step closer to his trembling body, but he doesn't try to run. For a moment, I think he may be brave after all, or stupid, which is likely the case. His breathing quickens with every step I take closer to him. He keeps rubbing his brown eyes and staring at me like he can't believe what is happening, like he can't believe it's me. Aiden, please don't do this. Neither of us has the ability to hide from what we truly are. I'm just a man with an appetite you weren't willing to fulfill. What did you expect? There's no place for a monstrous beast like me in this world. Isn't that what you said? I almost choke as the words come out. Sulfur escapes from within, filling the air with a thick, ominous smell. I didn't mean it, I swear. He's becoming frustrated. But aren't I the one with the right to be angry? What have I done to him? Please, this isn't what you want, he says, pressing his hands together like he's praying to me, worshipping me. But this is all wrong. It isn't what I want. I want him to look at me like he did her. Soft eyes, tender heart, longing to be beside her, and risking everything to try. I let out a small laugh because it hurts so much to accept the truth. I've been a silly child. 
What a bizarre notion. As if I'd ever let a betrayal like that go. Haven't you heard the stories? The legend is that I eat hearts. All of Scotland has heard it, I'm sure. I say, allowing the beast to speak for me. He stands up straight, as if he thinks he can take it like a man, or die trying. My tail slings his way, razor-sharp spikes slicing his mid-region and flinging him toward the nearest tree. His body flails upon impact. I approach his battered body hovering over him, proving that he was wrong in thinking I loved him. Blood drips from his mouth. I bend down and lick it from his face, savoring the hot liquid as it slides down my throat. He grunts and tries to push my face away to no avail. I'm stronger this way. There's no gentle feminine compassion here. You crossed the wrong dragon, I whisper. This is why I could never love you. No one can, he says, wiping my saliva from his face with the back of his sleeve, as if he's disgusted by me. I roar again, only this time I'm close enough to do irreparable damage. His pale skin goes from pink to red to charred in seconds. Besides the short moans, I know he's gone. He won't survive this, so I pluck limb by limb, figment by figment and piece by bloody piece. I devour him, taking everything he promised me. He will always be mine. He was the beast that needed to be eliminated from this world. After a half hour, my anger slowly fades, and I return to my human form. A brutal scene is on display before me, and I'm sick. I double over and rid myself of all that I can of him. I bring my trembling hand to my face, examining it. The pale green scales still lurk just under my skin's surface. But more than that, warm red blood is dripping into every crevice of my nails and prints. I scream a blood-curdling scream, like someone is murdering me. Because in a way, he had. It felt as if he had devoured all I had left, my fragile heart. I turn away and walk out of the forest's edge to the peak of the steep canyon. The ocean crashes into the rocks below, and somewhere in the distance, villagers sing an eerie song providing a juxtaposed musical accompaniment to the gruesome scene. I wipe my hands down my white dress, smearing red down my legs. I tug my crimson hair away from my face and take a deep breath. I try to remind myself that he was the monster. But what he said is true. No one can ever love me. As I look at the black ocean below and the bright stars above me, I am reminded that I'll always be alone. A cracking sound comes from behind me, so I turn to face it, expecting it to be a deer or wild horse, but instead, it's a man, one whom I've never seen before. Long, sandy blonde hair, blue eyes, and broad shoulders. He pulls back an arrow in a wide bow, pointing straight at me. A brisk breeze blows through me and I crumble like pieces of a weak tower, wind blown one too many times. I fall to the wet dirt, grip my hands into the grass, pulling, trying to ground myself in anything. 
anything at all. My life cannot go on like this. I'm tired of being alone, of being hated. Tears fill my eyes and spill over my lashes, soaking my cheeks. I sob. I don't care anymore if I live or die. Part of me wishes my sister, Jophel, would have succeeded in her quest to kill me all those years ago. If she had, I wouldn't be standing here, sick of myself and what I'm capable of. How could I have done this? Wrong or not, he didn't deserve to be killed, and worse, consumed. But that's what I do. I destroy. That's who I am. I meet the man's eyes. Mine are still blurry with tears, and I yell, Do it. Kill me. I stand again, spreading my arms out like a crucifix, wholly ready and at peace with martyring myself for the world's sake. Miguel was right. There's no place for me in this life. Please, I beg, tears still flowing, heart disintegrating in my chest. His brows pull together and a look of confusion flashes across his face. He gives a slight shake of his head, as if he's slinging a thought away, and steadies his bow. I can almost see the arrow flying toward me, shiny metallic tip stabbing into my head. The sharp pain that follows too excruciating for my brain to comprehend. Too intense for it to send signals to tell me that I am in imminent danger. By the time the pain sets, I'm almost gone. Blood spilling into the dirt. Body falling from the cliff into the gray, icy ocean below. I'm just another fable parents warn their children about. Just another forgotten story. The horrific details blurred and tempered into... A children's rhyme. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod. I hope you enjoyed my story of fire and ice. If you'd like to read more spooky tales of enchantment, witches, curses, and more, be sure to check out Women of the Woods on Amazon. I'll also leave a link in the show notes. I'd also like to give a huge shout out to the Fable Collective volunteers who helped make all of this happen. Whitney Zahar, Holly Cornito, J.L. Gillum, and Jennifer Sizzle, I cannot thank you all enough for your dedication and support. Fabled is an independent podcast made possible by listeners and readers like you. If you'd like to become a patron, please visit patreon.com forward slash Fable Collective. For as little as a dollar per month, you'll receive bonus content, and for $10 a month, you'll receive a paperback copy of Women of the Woods. Many thanks to our newest patrons, Kristen and James. I'm so grateful you joined the team. And thank you, kind listener, for being a part of the journey and for faithfully exploring the woods with me. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>